2: You know, one of the things that will be very different this year, and it's one of the reasons for players at the bottom of the roster to get vaccinated, Big Cat, there's a lot there to digest, but let me just summarize this for you. This year, if you're a free agent and a team wants to give you a tryout or sign you, if you're vaccinated, you can immediately show up, immediately try out, immediately sign. If you're not vaccinated, you got to go through a five-day waiting period before you can even try out. So what are teams going to do? What are teams going to do when it's time... To bring in a, a kicker to to scare the the kicker on the roster who's going through a rough spell. Or we need depth at receiver. We had an injury. You think they're going to wait five days to bring in a tryout guy who has to go through all these days of testing? Or are they going to gonna call up somebody who's vaccinated? It's just another reason why. And I know there are players who don't like it, the ones who have decided they're not getting vaccinated under any set of circumstances. They don't like the different treatment. The reality is the incentives are there to get vaccinated. And when it comes to possibly having a job in the NFL, there's you know, you're going to have 37 guys per team who get released between now and Labor Day weekend, very strong incentive if you think you're in that group to be fully vaccinated so you can move around quickly. You get claimed on waivers, you go straight in, you don't have to wait 5 days. You get traded, you go straight in, you don't have to wait 5 days any transaction, any new arrival, if you're vaccinated, you're straight in. If you're not vaccinated, it's just like last year where you got this clunky five-day waiting period. So the message for anyone other than a clear starter, anyone who's in any concern about possibly being cut for any reason, if you're vaccinated, you're going to have a much better chance catching on somewhere else.
3: Here's what I don't understand, Mike, and uh, it, it's it's just fascinating to watch take place because the NFL uh, is the is – a league that is obsessed with competitive advantages. Wouldn't that be fair to say? Everyone's yes. secret. Everyone's copycat. People are always looking for that edge, trying to find a way to get one up. Having a team that's vaccinated is a competitive advantage this year. So I don't understand how that, like, players who are pushing back, throw everything out else out. If you're a coach or an organization, if you just simply frame it as, this is a competitive advantage. If it were playing hurt, you would do it. If it were playing, you know, like, banged up or you have an injury that you're you're masking, you would do it. Why wouldn't you do it here? It's a competitive advantage, it, it simply is. Having your full team vaccinated is a competitive advantage going into this season because that means you can relax all protocols, you don't have to worry, everyone has peace of mind, there's no chance, you know, like, it, it just, everything is dealt, dealt with differently. I, that that part just baffles me. It's it's very fascinating to watch.
2: Well, and, and you see the different approaches. Some of the coaches are as in your face as they would be with any other issue. And others like Matt Rule, the Carolina Panthers coach, he said last week, I'm not telling anyone what to do. I think they recognize it potentially can blow up on you that this is one issue where guys are just – Shut down. They're not going to have the conversation. They're not going to think about it as a competitive advantage. They're going to think about it as a personal choice that they have free reign over that should have no relevance whatsoever to their football careers. And I think it's not as easy as it would otherwise be to get those guys to understand, no, this is a competitive issue. You may be unavailable to play out of the blue. You know, If you're not vaccinated, you get tested every single day. If you're vaccinated you're going to get tested once every 14 days. So even if you have COVID, even if you would test positive, we are not going to find out for 14 days. Maybe you'll be, maybe out, be out of your system by the time. I don't know how that part of it works yet, but you know may, maybe you'd be clear by then. Either way, they're only going to check you once every 14 days. You don't have that constant fear hanging over you that today's the day that I end up on the COVID-19 reserve list. But the guys who have been determined, uh, determined not to get vaccinated, they don't care about that. And I think what's happening, and I hope the explanation for reactions from guys like Joe Mixon and Cole Beasley, who, who angrily took to Twitter to criticize the NFLPA for agreeing to these rules where there are lesser restrictions for vaccinated players and the same restrictions as last year for those who aren't vaccinated, I hope they're just working through the five stages, and this is anger, and eventually they're going to get to acceptance, but because as you recognize that – There is a huge advantage for yourself and for your team to get vaccinated. Maybe these guys are going to go home, do some soul searching and finally decide, you know what? I've taken all sorts of other crazy stuff that I don't know what the long term effects are in order to play football. I'll go ahead and take this, too.
3: That, and it's not; those aren't even the same, obviously. Like taking right, other stuff, right. you know what I mean. But, you're, right. you're, but you, you make you, a good but point. But they never, they never bat an yeah. eye. They never right, bat right. an eye when right. It's, if it keeps you right. on the field. Give me toradol. Toradol's bad Correct. for me; it'll wreck
2: my kidneys. I that's, don't care. It lets me play.
3: That's the point that I don't. I, I just can't like fully comprehend. What happens if you get? So if you don't get vaccinated and you get COVID and you miss games, do you lose paychecks?
2: No, no, you get paid See, okay. yeah,
3: that's the thing. They're complaining about that's,
2: the NFLPA. What's yeah. the NFLPA doing for us? You know what they've done? First of all, yeah. first of all, they have their mere presence has prevented the league from even trying to say everyone must get vaccinated. You must get vaccinated. And I guarantee you if there was no union, there would be a rule along those lines. You must get vaccinated. Look at what they're doing to the coaches who don't have a union. You must get vaccinated or you can't come anywhere near the players, you, thou shalt get vaccinated. And I'm surprised they haven't gone even more aggressively with that, saying you got to get vaccinated or you don't have a job. The, the, the Players Association has ensured that they'll get paid if they're not vaccinated and they test positive. I think you can make a very compelling argument that you shouldn't get paid if you're on the COVID-19 reserve list this year. Last year it was different. This year, there's no way you're getting it at the facility. You're safe at the facility. If you got it, you got it somewhere else. You pay the price. Because you're not vaccinated, and because you put yourself in a position to get it, you don't get paid. Uh, and the union has fought back and kept that from happening. So the union has done some good things here to help the players, but the players who aren't vaccinated are pissed off that that the players who are vaccinated are going to have an easier time of it. That's what Mike Zimmer, the Vikings coach, said this week. If you don't get vaccinated, you're going to have a hard time this year. And right. Cole Beasley's starting to realize it, and Joe Mixon's starting to realize it, and yeah. I think others are too.
3: That's kind of my point. It's a competitive advantage. I also just think that you're, I don't know. It's it's the whole thing is fascinating to look at because when you frame it all in the in the the lens of NFL, where everyone will take everything they can do to win, and it's win at all costs, and they'll take risks and they will do everything to get that competitive advantage. This one just is so blatant to me. Like, what happens if you're if you're a guy, a star player who doesn't get vaccinated and you get it? And you're out for three weeks, and your season. Like I don't know, it's just it's just, it's the whole thing is very fascinating. I mean, I'm happy that we're gonna have 100% fans. I'm happy that the world is back to to normal. This, I hope we can get to a point where we don't have to talk about this because it's exhausting, and and I want to put it in my rearview mirror. But I just that that part does fascinate me, the fact that people aren't viewing it in the NFL players sp- specifically, they aren't viewing it as I can have one up on everyone else. If I help contribute to my team being fully vaccinated,
2: I just think that the challenge is piercing through the shell of "Don't tell me what to do. This is my decision." And, and here's the other side
3: of it too: reverse psychology. We should just do that. Like you want for, for Cole, every jo- Cole Beasley's not going to get. You shouldn't actually, Cole Beasley. Don't get
2: vaccinated. <laughs> for every Joe Mixon and Cole Beasley who's spouting off, there's a bunch of guys who aren't saying a word who True. have gotten vaccinated. Good point. You know, Good Cole point. Beasley says we should put it out to a vote. When did we vote on this? Well, if more than half of the players have gotten vaccinated, I think I know what the outcome of the vote would be. On yeah. whether or not the vaccinated players should have greater restrictions or lesser restrictions, excuse me, than the unvaccinated players. The vote would would win in favor yeah. of what the rules currently are. And, and there's a very large, silent majority of players who are fine with this. It's the guys who don't want to get vaccinated, who are sounding off. And I think the union knows that. I think the league knows that. And, and I think it will quiet down as Cole Beasley, Joe Mixon, and others work through anger, denial, bargaining, depression, and acceptance or reverse psychology as the case may be. Let's take a break. we got plenty more PFT Live still to come. When we return, Big Cat is going to give out his grades on the 49ers, Rams, and other teams who made the biggest moves this off season. We'll be back with more right after this. All right, offseason. Let's get some grades from Big Cat. I don't know what kind of grader you are. I don't know what kind of curve you use. I guess we'll find out after this exercise. Let's begin with a team that was in the Super Bowl two seasons Mm. ago. Had the game won up 10 points with seven minutes to go. It all fell apart after that. And then it all fell apart last year. Injury after injury after injury. The 49ers, they make the big move up to number three. And then they keep it close to their vest for a month as to who they're going to pick. And now they have Trey Lance, but Jimmy Garoppolo is the starter. And, you know, he could stay healthy and they could get back to the Super Bowl and then they really have a problem. But uh, what what grade do you give to the entire approach to the offseason by a team that was just in the Super Bowl two years ago?
3: I mean, I I don't even know what grade. Like, the, the, the 49ers made no sense in the offseason. Like, this, the Trey Lance pick, it could work out, but it also felt – like you said in the previous segment, they were just trying to make up for past mistakes. I would say a C minus. C minus feels about right. And I still think the, the you know, I think Kyle Shanahan is one of the best coaches in the NFL. I think the 49ers still have a roster that can win games, but it does feel like they're one foot in, one foot out. Trey Lance needs a little work. Uh Jimmy Garoppolo, they have not let's just say this. They have not exactly Uh, given Jimmy Garoppolo a a, a vote of confidence, right? So you have a quarterback now who it's clear the coaching staff in the front office don't want to be playing quarterback. And you have a quarterback who is by all accounts extremely raw and needs a lot of work. It just doesn't really make sense to me. So I might even go deep. No, I'll do, I'll stay with C minus, C minus. And, and the quarterback they drafted played one game last
2: year because of the pandemic. North Dakota State played all of one game. He's going to sit out ideally all of this year if it goes according to plan. And, of course, if the team ends up being good, if they would get back to the Super Bowl, how do you not keep Jimmy Garoppolo next year? And maybe the master plan is they would, they would sell high at that point. They would trade Garoppolo as he enters the final year of his contract. Because it's funny. We have such a short memory in in uh, the NFL and as we follow it. 2019, Garoppolo plays every game. Not an issue. No injury problems at all. 2020, he gets a sprained ankle. Week two, he's, you know, I think out for 10 of the 16 games. Oh, the guy can't stay healthy. Well, if he plays the entire year and they're really good and he does well, the narrative changes completely. And there's going to be somebody, I think, who would trade for him then? Whereas now, I don't think there's anyone who would touch him at $25 million after what happened last year. So, I look, I'm, I suspect they have a plan. I hope they have a plan. But what we've seen of it and what we've heard of it, I agree with you. I, I And, uh, you know, uh, C, C minus, I think that's a fair grade to apply to whatever the 49ers are doing, whether they know what they're doing or not. How about the Rams? The Rams gave us the first big, oh, wow, of 2021 when they made the move both to acquire Matthew Stafford and to unload that horrific Jared Goff contract that mm-hmm. people were trying to tell them two years ago, don't do mm-hmm. it, and they did it anyway.
3: Now, not a horrific uh, contract. Jared Goff's a very good player and a very good friend of mine. So I uh, what is the courtroom term? What do you say? Wait, wait a minute.
2: What you you were the guy you you were the one who planted the idea in my brain two years ago that the Rams should be the first team to say to a quarterback yeah, who yeah. just happened to hang around, mm-hmm. no, we're not gonna we're not gonna give you a giant contract. That was you.
3: Yeah, no, I I, and I still think they should have done that. I think Jared would have done that too. That was my point, is that if you're a guy who maybe isn't one of the best quarterbacks, I'm not saying Jared's one of the best quarterbacks, I'm saying great guy, great quarterback still has a lot, he went to a Super Bowl, so check yourself, Mike Florio. Uh, all I was saying is that if I if I were in his shoes or a similar spot, I'd be like, hey, let me try to take the right amount of money where we can just keep building around me. I don't know. I also, I'm really just talking out of my ass right now in the fact that I'm looking at it from a perspective of, I'd maybe take a little less money so that I could have really good players around me, But in reality, I'd probably just take max money because that's what everyone really does. And I never begrudge anyone for doing that. Here's the bottom
2: line. The Rams... And and I talked to a GM about this right after the trade happened. You get Stafford from the Lions and you send Goff plus two first-round picks and a third-round pick. That's your package to get Stafford. And the GM and I who had the conversation came to the consensus that... The Rams got Stafford for a one and a three, and the Rams sent a first-round pick with Goff, a Brock Osweiler-type trade, to get Goff's contract off the books. That This is basically Brock Osweiler tucked inside another transaction so Stan Kroenke doesn't figure out that the contract that they gave to Goff was so bad they had to give up a first-round pick to get it off the books. That's, okay. that's the thinking. All
3: right. All right. I still think, I'd, whatever. I think Jared's good. I think the the Lions. I think he'll right. have a little resurgence here for the Rams. We're talking about the Rams here. The Rams. Give me a grade for the Rams. I mean, I think they get like a B plus or A minus just because they saw, like, if you're Sean McVay, you have Aaron Donald, who and Jalen Ramsey, and that defense, and what they did last year, and they were they were really good. They were really really good, especially at the end of the year. And you're like, hey, if I can have my guy. And I think Matt Stafford's the guy. And I've always, I've, I'm on the train of Matt Stafford Future Hall of Famer. That's how I refer to him. I think that they went and addressed the one need and it's kind of chips all in, which they've been chips all in for a while now because of their salary cap situation. But I like their offseason. I think that it it really is an offseason where if you have one thing you want to do and you accomplish that one thing and it's bigger than everything else, I think it 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 gets a good grade for me.
2: Yeah, well, and, and they they had that one thing that they wanted to do because Sean McVay got to the point where he couldn't coexist with Jared Goff. They All right, enough, John enough, enough with
3: the Jared Goff. When, when okay. did you
2: get co-opted by Jared Goff? I'm, I mean, he's a friend to of mine. At least get co-opted by a good quarterback.
3: Wow, they, see, that was out of line, out of line. Objection, Your Honor. This This man is a terrible lawyer. Hey, when at least I happen? wear my this bias is on the sleeve.
2: Is this, no, it's not did, new. Did Blake Bortles, did Blake Bortles broker this friendship?
3: Is that what Blake happened? Blake and I Yeah, Blake and I are, are in a rocky spot right now cuz he's on the Packers. So, we'll see what
2: happens. <laughs> he's not going to be for long. He's going to be gone the day that Aaron Rodgers Would shows you stop? up. All right.
3: You don't cuts. have a friend of your you you had to get a dog to get a friend. That's what you're doing right now.
2: And and even that and even then it's questionable. Uh, you you know my quote about friendship. I think friendship takes too much effort. It's so much easier to maintain an enemy. All right, Indianapolis Colts, give me a grade.
3: All right, so the Colts are weird to me. I I would probably go with um, a B minus because I do think that Carson Wentz. This will be interesting. I I think Frank Reich can get more out of him. I do think that that you know this will be new place. There, I'm of the belief that if a guy was as good as he was a few years ago. And people kind of forget it because they won the Super Bowl without him. But he was the leading the MVP candidacy when he got hurt in that game against the Rams a few years ago. I think it's still there. I The reason why I don't give them – what I just say? Did I give them a B-? I, the reason why I wouldn't go higher is I don't know what they're doing. They didn't really replace their offensive line. They, they don't really have a fix with Costanzo retiring. And, and they brought in Eric Fisher who probably won't be ready week one, uh, who's, you know, a great – career, but he's at the tail end of it. They got a backup who's coming into the starting role. I, I think that if you go get Carson Wentz, you then need to do everything to make Carson Wentz like elevate him to a level where his offensive line's great, where his weapons are great. I don't think they got all the way there, so I'm going to give him a B-. minus. But, but even
2: with Costanzo retiring and the question marks with Fisher's health, it's a better offensive line than what he's had in Philadelphia all due respect for the Eagles. I. You know, he had nothing around him last year. And that's what was weird. Well, no, last year had – it was 2019. That's what made last year so odd. 2019, he literally had nothing down the stretch. He willed that team to the playoffs by himself when it was mm-hmm. only six teams, when they didn't have the Chicago Bears Memorial 8-8 and playoff spot. They earned one of the six spots in the NFC somehow. That's what made last year's fall from grace so stunning because you think, hey, hey, well, as long as Wentz stays healthy – this team's good to go, but something snapped. It, 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 the simple explanation may be they drafted Jalen Hurts in round two, and it broke his brain. Jay Glazer essentially reported that during the season, that that he did not react well to it. And that ended up being the thing that, that destroyed the relationship, and we saw it play out week after week last season.
3: Yeah, so I... I- I don't know Carson. Wants I mean, to go this back wasn't supposed and to be course. about the
2: Eagles, but I'm just trying to make sense of all of it. I just think for he's got I a know. good situation in Indianapolis, and he needed a fresh start. And I think for for the Colts, look look at what they've been trying to do since Andrew Luck decided he was done a couple of years ago. They, you know they have Philip Rivers, and he got him to the playoffs, and they gave the Bills everything they could handle. I think Carson Wentz better than Carson, or Carson Wentz better than Philip Rivers. I think this is a team that really is a force potentially to be reckoned with. I'm surprised you only gave him a B minus.
3: All right, bump him up to a B. Let's go B. All right, we'll Because You know what it is, Mike? You know what it is? I actually believe that Carson Wentz can be good, but man, was he bad. That sentence, put so that in not the So he's not book. a friend. He's not no, a no, friend. No, 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 but I mean, he was so bad. He was so bad. And that's more gambling coming out where I had some games where I was like, why did I do this? Why did I have Carson Wentz? He spins. No one likes to spin For no reason more than Carson Wentz. The guy just is addicted to spinning just to waste (laughs) time in the pocket. Tennessee
2: Titans. They most recently made noise with the trade for Julio Jones. Uh, They they trying to make the defense better. They're they're taking a flyer with Bud Dupree, giving him a lot of money coming off of his ACL tear. What offseason grade do you give them?
3: So I, uh, I mean, I would probably, I'm going to give them like a B. And, and I like the Julio Jones. I'm surprised more teams weren't in on that. That seemed ridiculous to me. Um, I know that if he plays well, they're going to have to give him more money and all that. But that offense is, is ready to go. I still just – I don't know what they're doing on defense. I, I, I think Bud Dupree is a guy who was really good in, in Pittsburgh, really good in Pittsburgh. But that's because Pittsburgh played to his strengths and knew how to use him. Now he's going to go to Tennessee. He's going to be expecting to, to perform right away. The the deal with the Titans last year, it was their defense. They had the worst third-down defense in the NFL. They could not get off the field. Anytime they got in a big situation, it fell apart. And then, you know, they lost some secondary. They bring in Janoris Jenkins, who's on the wrong side of 30, and they draft Caleb uh, Farley, who is a, a, a top-level talent, but isn't he back surgery? So Back I, surgery. Right. In that. Look, I hope he has a great career. I hope he has a long career. But if you're 22 years old or 21 years old and you're getting back surgery, I'm going to throw up a red flag. I think that's totally fair. So um, I I just don't know if they did enough on defense. I think their offense will keep them in a lot of games. And then when we get down to January football, when they have to get off the field in third down, it might not happen. they got to re-sign Will Compton. That's what they got to do.
2: And when you look at that division, it really is Colts and Titans clearly above the other two without question. And I think whoever emerges from that, you know, you you could have a team, and and we see this all the year teams get better or worse as the season goes on. You could have uh, one of these two teams, Colts or Titans, it really develops into something special as the season unfolds. Confidence creates more confidence. And uh, by the time you get into the postseason, you're, you're ready to try to climb to the top of the mountain. The Patriots trying to get back to the top of the mountain after missing the playoffs last year with a 7-9 and record. And look, even though they were 7-9, and you look at me, you think they were 3-13 and with the talent they didn't have. They went out and they were aggressive this year. What grade do you give from the aggressive acquiring of free agents to what they did in the draft? Give me a grade for the Patriots.
3: I think they get like an A-. They went and got a lot of talent. And obviously they had a lot of cap space. And they're also getting a bunch of guys back that that opted out. But I like what they did with the with the uh, tight ends, Johnu Smith and, and Hunter Henry. So they're gonna you know try to do that the tight end thing that eventually basically the Patriots in, not invented, but that was you know the first iteration of it. So they're gonna get back there. They got some wide receiver talent. I actually would say the only move that I don't really like and agree with is bringing back Cam Newton because I I just he was that bad. And it, it wasn't like an injury thing to me. He was just bad. He was just he was just straight up bad. So I, I you know, if you're gonna draft a quarterback and you're also gonna have a roster that should be able to compete for a playoff spot, I don't know why I'd waste time having Cam Newton be your quarterback for any amount of weeks.
2: They got him on a really good deal, not as good as last year. Last year, he showed up in late June. They really like him. They like his presence. They like his leadership. They regard him as the perfect guy to follow Tom Brady in New England. He's got the magnetic personality. He brings the locker room together. And I think the COVID diagnosis last year messed him up. He denied that he had brain fog in the aftermath of having COVID. But that thing that came out of the blue after week three, he missed that Monday night game against the Chiefs. They actually gave the Chiefs a pretty good scare with Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham. But but I I don't think Newton was ever the same after that. I think it but, took him a while to come out of it. And and now okay. year two in the system, year two in the system, I think he's he's going to be better than he was last year. The question is how good will he
3: be? And he didn't have any weapons around him last year. I still just it, it just doesn't look right. I don't think his I I think the the amount of injuries that he has had, is throwing motion has just looked bad ever since the shoulder and the foot. The foot was actually something that that I think affected him more than people realize. If you look at where he can throw the ball around the field now and, and what he feels comfortable doing, planning that foot. I, so the, these stats are skewed though, Mike. They played in that game, which was a thriller, that Sunday night football game in Seattle. Remember how bad Seattle's defense was? They were historically bad. So that was a shootout. That was a game that got away from them. Those stats to me are inflated where that game was was again, it was the exception, not the rule, to how that season was gonna go. I just, I don't know. I, I think that the Patriots would be hurting themselves if they if they try if they tried to force Cam Newton into this role for an extended period of time this year, because I just don't I don't see it. You know, and again, I I'm, I feel like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but I do truly believe this because I actually think Cam Newton might be, for my money, the most electric college football player of all time. He won an MVP. He's had a great career. I just don't see it anymore.
2: And, look, Bill Belichick won't hesitate to remove him from the lineup if he thinks it's in the team's best interest. He did it a couple of times last year with Jared Stidham. Cam Newton takes it. I think Cam Newton is at a point in his career where he will do whatever the greatest coach of all time, arguably in any sport, tells him to do. He's not going to get salty. He's not going to pout if he gets removed from a game. And we'll find out what Mac Jones has. 15th overall pick. Fell to the Patriots, and it uh, could get interesting.
3: What did I give him? A minus? You
2: gave him an A minus.
3: Oh, yeah, that's fair. All right. Good draft by me. Good job by me. All right, good job
2: by you. Let's take a break. We're going to take a look at some minicamp news, including Patrick Mahomes' health, and whether the Browns' offense will be better with Odell Beckham Jr. back on the field. More PFC Live right after this.
1: Travis Kelsey on Tuesday expressed surprise at some of the comments that Le'Veon Bell made. Are you aware of those comments, and what was your reaction to that?
0: Yeah, I heard, I, listen, I, I really enjoyed my time with him here. So um, I, uh, I, I appreciated the way he handled things and and did his business, and he had some productive downs for us. And I'm pulling for him in the future. I mean, that's how that's how I roll. I mean, people say things, they say things. So um, I, I just I move on and.
2: I wish him the best, you know. Andy Reid taking the high road. Le'Veon Bell, gratuitous criticism of Reid, said I'd retire before I ever play for Reid again. Guess what, Uh, Le'Veon? You're not going to have the option to play for Reid again. You may not have the option to play for anyone again, and I feel bad for Le'Veon Bell. Look, this thing crashed on him quickly, and this is just part of what we deal with as human beings when the window closes on the thing that we have identified ourselves as for years. This guy's a football player, and he isn't going to be a football player anymore. And he's faced now with the choice, if he does get an opportunity, of taking the league minimum just a few years after he was in that high-stakes franchise tag game with the Steelers. So I, I try to understand where Le'Veon Bell's coming from, and I don't know what set him off. But I think this is just a manifestation of his frustration with the fact that his football career is pretty much over.
3: Yeah, and it's uh, especially tough when you when you do it with Andy Reid, who I think is universally loved by all his players. So that adds an element where you know, if this were uh, Bill Belichick or you know, list you know Tom Coughlin, anyone out there who might have a reputation of like, oh, this guy, this coach is a little hard on people. Andy Reid's the opposite. So he he not only is going through the end of his career and, and dealing with that. But then he chose the one guy that everyone's going to be like, what? Why would you say that, that about Andy Reid? That makes no sense. So, you know, he made a lot of money. And it kind of worked. His money thing worked, right? Like, he made a lot of guaranteed money. So he's got that, which is nice. Yeah,
2: he had the he had the $12 million plus for his last year in Pittsburgh, then sat out a year, then got $27 million guaranteed over two years from the Jets. So it worked out pretty well. For Le'Veon Bell. Patrick Mahomes recently speaking with reporters as it relates to the toe. Remember, he had the turf toe injury, the one injury that doesn't sound nearly as bad as it is. It got worse during the Super Bowl. He had surgery three days after the loss to the Buccaneers. Here's Mahomes talking about the current status of his injured toe.
4: No, I, I don't. I don't see any problems moving forward. Obviously, I want to continue with the rehab, continue to work on those state things, to strengthen it, and do all that different type of stuff. Um, but I feel like I, I did, had a good OTAs, a good mini camp. I was able to
2: move around, scramble around, and do the things that I needed to do. Hey look here's the reality he can be healthy now the question is can he stay healthy he runs way too much he ran around way too much in the Super Bowl the loss to the Raiders in the regular season he ran around way too much when you don't have that offensive line and you just kind of oh yeah Patrick will be fine sooner or later you're going to have wear and tear on the body that's carrying you around as you run with your hair on fire trying to find an open receiver and I think that's what they need to be worried about. Is this a cumulative thing that's going to come back to haunt them if they don't give him better protection? And at least they're trying to give him better protection.
3: Yeah, I'm not going to blame him for running too much in the Super Bowl. He was trying to make something happen. He was trying to win a Super right, Bowl right. with a no, bad no, offensive no. line. But, I,
2: but it was—it's the full season yeah. of it. It yeah.
3: culminates in that. Yes, I think uh, I, we, uh, my podcast, part of my take, we have long-standing uh, thought that Turf Toe needs a rebrand. Because it does sound like the lamest injury, and it really is painful. And so you think, oh, he's got turf toe, who cares? It's a real injury. So we need to rebrand turf toe. We need it to sound a lot more severe so that people take it seriously. First time I ever heard of it was in the
2: 70s. Franco Harris had it. And it just, its like, he's got turf toe, well, go wash his toe. Like right. It does not sound like a bad injury. You hear about all these, hor- that was the first one where I was like, that doesn't really sound all that bad. What's the problem? Right, exactly. So rebrand, rebrand turf time. All right, we'll come up with something. Let's come up with. Have you been? You so you're you're one of these guys who likes to identify the problem but not come up with the solution because I'm not. What are you hearing talking about as to what we should call it? I'm a what, disciple what of John
3: it? Taffer. I'm a disciple of John Taffer. Um, I don't know, paralyzed toe. That would be good.
2: Um, That's what, yes. That may be a little too far the other way. But, well, uh, people, think it, it, people will be like, it, oh, he's got paralyzed toe. This guy, how's he walking? It
3: connotes
2: the severity of the injury. All right, uh, Dwayne Haskins in Pittsburgh. Bargain basement contract. Great opportunity for the Steelers. Mike Tomlin said recently he's working on crafting a personal relationship with Dwayne Haskins. Why not evaluate him to be the potential successor to Ben Roethlisberger? Here's Haskins on what he's trying to prove as he gets a, a second chance at his NFL career.
1: Just coming here to Pittsburgh, I just wanted to prove to the coaching staff and my teammates how much I love football, and uh, this is a grateful opportunity to be here and just showing that my mind's in the right place and that I'm willing to work to be able to, to show my talents and be able to work and earn a spot here.
4: Were you surprised at your release by Washington? I mean, they, they just used a first-round pick on you at your hometown team, and a little over a year later, uh, they, they, let you go.
1: I wouldn't necessarily say I was surprised. I, um, you know, it was just part of the business. I uh, it wasn't necessarily the people that, you know, were brought in by the new coaching staff and uh, understanding that this is a business and, um, realizing that as the season went on, that, um, you know, just things weren't going the way that we both wanted it to. And, um, being able to be here now in the spot, you know, we can work hard and be able to figure things out together. And, um, you know, just great opportunity Washington gave me, but it wasn't completely surprising. But um, it was also definitely unfortunate to be able to be released the way that I was.
2: You know, look, some teams deal with their mistakes by admitting them and moving on, like Washington did. Other teams will double down and just make it worse. Bottom line is this: so Washington got criticized so heavily for drafting Dwayne Haskins with the 15th overall pick after the fact. At the time, nobody was saying anything because the guy was going to be a first-round pick. He was going to be selected in round one. The question was, was it going to be in Washington or was it going to be somewhere else? So it's not like they did some reach for some guy that was on everyone's board as a fourth rounder. And and so the Steelers have gotten a guy who just two years ago was regarded as a first-round talent for nothing. But this is great. This is perfect. And, and I think this is one of the reasons why teams will give guys second chances. They want the redemption to come... While he's on their team, they don't want the Chris Carter, all he does is catch touchdowns redemption when he washes out of Philly and he becomes a Hall of Famer with Minnesota. Teams want that guy to wake up and still be part of their organization.
3: Yeah, I, this is um, – Dwayne Haskins, I don't, I'm don't. i not a believer, but if you were to pick where is the best situation for him, it's Pittsburgh because that is a franchise that has run very well, that knows who they are, that has a process, so uh, it's great for him. And also, he doesn't—he obviously doesn't have to start. It's great for him. the The only downside would be if he can't make it work here. If something—if they don't see anything out of him in Pittsburgh, that probably is it. Because that's—you can't really blame anyone if you go to Pittsburgh. And and I'm not even talking about starting. I'm saying like just being a good model teammate. Who is you know doing everything he needs to do to help the team, whether it be in practice or wh- however you want to slice it, that Pittsburgh is the spot. So if he if he if he fails here, he's got no one to blame but himself.
2: And I agree with you. It's going to be XFL, USFL, something FL other than NFL if it doesn't work for him in Pittsburgh. I uh, Pete, Pete just removed this from the list, but I, I think it's important that we address this. I know we're getting low on time, but l- I want to hear. I want to hear from Browns offensive coordinator Alex Van Pelt on Odo Beckham Jr. being back with the Browns. Because there, the, there was the question last year when he got injured because he put so much stress on the quarterback because you got to get him the ball, you got to get him the ball, you got to get him the ball. The, the argument was the offense is better without him because Baker Mayfield doesn't have to constantly look at Odo Beckham Jr. Well, now the Browns make it to the divisional round. They give the Chiefs everything they can handle. Odo Beckham Jr. is healthy. Here's Alex Van Pelt talking about the offense with OBJ back on the field.
4: Anytime you have a, a great X, you see a lot of coverage roll to, to that player. Um, you know, that kind of went away when Odell uh, was injured. Uh, you know, that, that opens it up for, for other players to be successful. Um, it's not always great to be double teamed all the time, but sometimes that's going to happen when you're great. So um, I would expect teams to, to uh, have to honor um, Odell and, and potentially at times put two guys on.
0: And I'm guessing that you think that that, concept of Baker being better without Odell is not true.
4: I think Baker was better as the season went on whether it had been Odell or not had been you know still out there uh he started to understand the offense more understand what we were asking him got his footwork right um and I think he, he just he he got better regardless of who was on the field. Um as I said earlier you're you're always better with great players. Um anytime you take a great player off the field um you got to find ways to you know, to generate more offense. So we'll be better with Odell no
2: Big Cat, this is so obvious to me. The Browns will never put it this way. They'll never admit it. But as I said before, we threw to the sound. Having a guy on the field who is constantly worried about getting the ball, getting the ball, you got to get me the ball, that puts pressure on the quarterback. He holds onto that read longer than he should. He throws to the guy maybe when he isn't open or maybe when he is double covered because he's got to get the ball. He's got to get the ball. It's – if. Odell Beckham's healthy, that's great, but he's got to lose that mindset that we win if I get the ball, we lose if I don't. That can't be the
3: mindset going forward. Totally agree. It it, it It's not just like a theory either. It showed in the numbers. Like, it showed in the play that the, the, the Browns were a more efficient offense when he wasn't on the field because of exactly what you said. So, I, I would assume – that last year was probably a little humbling for Odell Beckham, and I would assume you'll have a little bit of a difference here. And if you're if if the, if you're part of a, a Browns organization that went to the playoffs for the first time in forever, that won a playoff game against your bitter bitter rival in their place, and then you come in and you get added, I think there's a little bit of a you know introspection there where it's like, okay, I don't want to rock the boat. I want to be able to. I want to be part of this. This looked like fun. So let me be part of it and not be the guy who comes in and screws this whole thing up.
2: I remember when they traded for him, the first thing I thought is, is Cleveland big enough for both Mayfield and OBJ? And I just feel like there's been that tension there that gets put on Mayfield. And Mayfield's got to assert himself. And if Odell Beckham Jr. starts complaining about it this year... Mayfield's got to tell him, basically sit down and shut up. I'm the one who decides where the football goes. All right, let's take a break. When we return, the new Madden cover came out yesterday. Friday's draft, the best Madden covers of all time. He cannot dominate me in that one. PFT Live, back after this. There's the new cover. Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. Brady was on the cover of Madden in 2018 Patrick Mahomes in 2020 now they're on it together first time there have been two on it since Troy Polamalu and Larry Fitzgerald and there's Aaron Rodgers when the reigning MVP isn't on the cover of the MVP edition of Madden and, and look it's more complicated than that because frankly they may have approached Aaron Rodgers and he may have said I want x million and Brady and Mahomes said yes when Rodgers said no we don't know but uh, there's a reason why Peyton Manning was never on the cover of Madden I think the reason is They never wanted to give him the big man move. All right, Big Cat, you got a trivia question for me. The the draft today, the all-time best Madden covers. For the first pick, I'll try to answer the question, and I'll probably get it wrong.
3: Okay. EA Sports approached two people to headline their football game franchise before they signed John Madden. The first was Joe Montana. The second was? The
2: second was... Uh, I don't know. This, I'll give you uh, a Joe hint. Mont- I remember they had Joe Montana football with the Sega Genesis.
3: I remember that. Former Vikings QB turned head coach. Former Vikings that probably QB gives it turned away.
2: head coach. Vikings quarterback turned head coach. What Vikings quarterback became a head coach? Okay, Fred the Tartan answer. Head coach. Go ahead. I'm, I, I give. I yield. Joe Cap. Who?
3: Joe Cap Joe Cap. Uh, Montana, Joe Cap. Had an endorsement with Atari, and Cap demanded royalties. Joe Cap football? Oh God, that wouldn't well, have worked. It wouldn't have been around for thirty All right, plus years. Alright, I'm pulling up years. my list Joe right Cap now. This is going to be a worked. domination by me, as always. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, number one's easy for me. Well, wait, are we doing only players?
2: All-time best Madden covers. Okay.
3: All right, I, All I'm going to go, you know Madden what, covers. my number one is still the same, the Michael Vick cover. Michael Vick was so electric in Madden. He was the most electric player in Madden. That cover, that arrival, that is my favorite Madden. There it is. I. That's the universal, like everyone will say, yes, good pick, big cat. Way to go. But that's the ultimate example of a curse. He broke
2: his leg in the preseason against the Ravens that year. Right Who after cares? the game
3: came out. Guess what people Broken remember leg. a lot more? How awesome he was to be in that game.
2: All right, I'll go with the original. I got to the original John Madden football before they okay. put years to it. They didn't know what it was going to be. I remember seeing it on the shelf at the store back when they used to have stores that had shelves with video games on them. There he is, John Madden football. Because let let, let me just give you the i I spent years trying to find a football video game that would actually be fun to play. I have suffered through some crap football games, whether it's the Atari football, which wasn't football. It was like some sort of Space Invaders, and and the Intellivision football where you had to program the plays and the center of the nose tackle didn't move. I have spent years playing horrible football games. John Madden, by virtue of the fact that EA Sports bought out the 2K5 license because that would have probably been a better game over the long haul, but at least John Madden football evolved into something that is fun to play and realistic. So that started it all. That's the one that's my first choice.
3: Good job, Mike. Way to go. Did you buy that? How'd you get to the store to buy that? On your dinosaur? Um, all right. It's, I'm going to go with well my done. next pick. This one's easy. This is maybe the most iconic for all the wrong reasons, the Peyton Hillis cover. I. It's still like the best. I think about it so often. He scored, uh, after this cover, in the NFL, he had six total touchdowns for the rest of his career. Six. Six. He was Peyton Hillis. I can't believe he made a cover. It's everyone, like, if you ever want to say, hey, kid, you can be anything, point to Peyton Hillis being on the Madden cover. It's it's and, incredible. And, and I- he he had
2: one good year and he wanted to get paid and he never could get paid and it drove him nuts. And I remember there was a game he didn't play because he had like a sore throat and Alex Mack played with appendicitis. And that kind of encapsulates the Peyton Hillis experience in the NFL. All right, I'll go... Madden '09, Brett Favre in the Packers uniform. Considering that in 2008 he unretired and played for the Jets that year, that to me is a, he was no longer a Packer. He was a Jet that year. He'd be a Viking in '09. Bre- I, I, I'll never forget that. And that was really kind of the that, that kind of you know, big time franchise Hall of Fame quarterback on the cover of Madden. And also, we it's well documented how aggressively John Madden loved him, some Brett Favre. So I guess it was fitting.
3: All right, my last pick. All right, so I have, I have my last pick real quick is Ray Lewis. Uh, it's Ray Lewis because it's the birth of the hit stick, which was awesome. First defensive player on the on the cover. Also, look how ferocious he is. Also, Mike, I got an extra choice pick. Actually, you do your last pick, and then I'll do the fourth pick. I dominated. I this. got
2: Brady. I got Brady 2018 with All the right. primal scream. I love any example of out. Brady with his primal Terrible. scream. There Terrible he is, pick. primal Terrible scream. Pick. I like it. Go
3: ahead. I dominated ahead. this draft. I have a special sure edition, the blogger edition. Let's is see it? it. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> they should make how this game. How old were you? My That's... God, how
2: old were you? How old what was do you I? Mean?
3: I? The that full picture. It's one of the iconic pictures I took. It's probably about four or five years ago. So fat in this huge shirt. <laughs> I don't know if you have the regular, the full picture. If you can pull that up, but it's it's an iconic fat picture of mine. We gotta go. But we need this. We need this, where you can just criticize players.
2: We're on it. We'll be back to wrap up this Friday edition (laughs) of BFT Live right after this. Good god.
3: Uh. (laughs) Your legacy in Denver is starting to get a little iffy here if you still can't figure out quarterbacks. Guess what can fix all of that? Aaron Rodgers. It's basically the flex seal. You're just there's a big hole, water coming out, and you slap Aaron Rodgers on it, and everything's fixed in Denver. That's the that's You're the leverage. flex seal now. You're yeah, you know pushing flex seal now. You know you know commercial. I know commercial flex seal. When the guy has a hey. big cylinder of water, he's like, boom. That's Aaron Rodgers. That is. <laughs>
2: That'd that be great. a good nickname, flex seal. Well done by the control room. Uh, big cat, it was great to see you back. Sources close to me tell me that uh, you may be back next Friday too.
3: Yeah, I'll decide if I want to extend my contract. We'll see. Next next Friday is actually the start of our
2: our hiatus because things, if you haven't noticed, are slowing down in the NFL. But we're on everything at PFT. Check us out all weekend long. Thanks, Big Cat. See everybody Monday.
4: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh,